any season that you finish below West Ham is a bad season. Podcast is delighted today to welcome pre-lockdown YE1 Colossus Matthew Bowers, who has risen to the technical challenge to join us for a remote YE1 daily season review. How have you found the adjustment to six weeks of self-isolation, and are you even slightly missing Mourinho ball, Matt? <laughs> That's a great question. First of all, I'd like to say hello, and it's lovely to be back with you all. Isolation has been difficult, I'm not going to lie. It's, I've had good days and bad days. But I'm sort of exercising every day and generally I'm missing football like you wouldn't believe. I can't wait for it to come back in any form whatsoever. So, even Mourinho ball? Even the stuff we were playing before the lockdown? I mean, it was awful, but when you take something away, no matter how bad it is, you miss it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's a really good point, Matt. Really good point. Matt joined Sim and Pete in the YE1 time machine for season 1999-2000, which saw us compete in Europe for the last time until the 2006-07 season, courtesy of previous campaigns Worthington Cup success. However, our run of the competition would not penetrate the year 2000, as George Graham's side were eliminated in early November. Though the scum from across North London were at least left heartbroken in the final against Galatasaray. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Sim, Peter, great to delve into Spurs history with you as ever. Peter, the UEFA Cup, now the Europa League, has recently mimicked the Champions League format of having groups of four clubs who each face each other home and away with the top two sides advancing to the knockout stages. But has that for you made a mockery of what used to be quite an exciting and condensed two-legged knockout competition right the way through to the final? Definitely. When it changed format, it just seemed to dilute the value and intensity of the competition somehow for me. It seemed to be a lot of like early, meaningless games over in Cyprus and places like that. No disrespect to some of those teams, but those games were like either late August or September. And it seemed to be like quality giving way to quantity. It seemed an easy way to ruin a September holiday. <laughs> I don't think it was a change for the better at all. I totally agree, um, yeah. because it, it used to be really exciting to wait to get to the draw, and and now it's just become, I mean, is it a money spinner? I'm not sure exactly. it is a money spinner now. Well, no, really, no. It just, it's like the expansion of the Euros, you know, and you get a lot of the qualifications, a lot of meaningless games take place in the early sort of stages, and I think when you do that, you lose intensity. The way it used to be, the old UEFA Cup was like really like intense, and it had that home and away leg. I think effectively something that yeah. used to be a reward has just become a punishment. Yeah, I couldn't have put it better. <laughs> it's it's got to be about it's got to be about money, surely. Anyway, our domestic cup runs in 99-2000 were just as short-lived as our European non-exploits, which we'll come to later. But let's first focus on another uninspiring Premiership season, which brought another 10th place finish, though it did bring some memorable home wins. Matt, we've been calling these years the turgid years in the last week or so. What did following Tottenham mean to you in the 90s and early 2000s? It was such a strange time because we were just the epitome of the word mediocre. There's no other way to describe us. We were never, ever going to win anything in terms of the league. I was looking at the squad and, you know, we still had people like Les Ferdinand, Sol Campbell, three or four really good other players. And then we had some real dross as well. Yeah, we did have some cross. We'll come onto the squad a bit yeah. later on, Matt. Sim, can you give us some key facts from our Premiership season, please? Yeah, so Ian, like you said, we finished 10th in the league. And as Matt said, that's an incredibly... I mean, that's that's as average as it can get, really, in a season 
We went out of the FA Cup in the third round as well, which is always awful. What was weird about the FA Cup that year actually was, if you guys remember, it was the year where the FA Cup, for some reason, the third round took place in December, which ruled Man United because Man United had won the treble the year before and they were competing in the Club World Cup. I'm not sure where it was, but they were competing in that in December. So they had to opt out of it and it all got a bit messy. But we went out 6-1 to Newcastle in that third round. So that's... Yeah, we'll that's, come on to that yeah, later. That's soon, awful. I've got quite some strong views on that game. Yeah. I remember Cluffy famously said, you know, United snubbed the FA Cup last season. I hope they all get food poisoning or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great I remember, I remember him saying that in Football Focus. It was George Graham's first full season as he sort of took over the previous season. So, you know, this was an important transfer window for him, wasn't it, guys? So, you know, in that transfer window, he bought Chris Perry from Wimbledon for four million, Eidbrun Leonardson for three million, Everton and Davis one point two million, Anthony Gardner from million and Gary Doxey for a million. I mean, Matt, before the season started, did that excite you? No. Um <laughs> don't um, don't sit on the fence. <laughs> no, no, I mean, we paid £4 million for Chris Perry. They all tried hard, mate. They, they were all good sort of professionals. But looking at that, it's possibly the most uninspiring transfer window we must have ever had. You wait till the season before, that gets worse. <laughs> oh, I, I think Do- Doherty came in the March, didn't he? And the stuff that I've been reading around the season was that George Graham reportedly wanted a new striker. He thought he needed Uverson and Armstrong to have a bit of help. And you're wondering if Doherty in the winter was... Alan Sugar's answer to a striker, basically. He's a defender. Yeah, but he's, yeah. he famously played up front a few times, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, he did. Given that transfer window, what do you think Alan Sugar's plan was? Did he have a strategy for the club then to buy those players? What was his strategy? What was he thinking, Peter? Well, he wasn't pushing the boat out, I don't think. Like, I think you might have likened it early in an earlier conversation to what um, was going on at Newcastle, you know, looking to possibly cash in. You know, it was coming towards the end of his time there. But, you know, I think it was just, he, he didn't buy the club for that much, I don't think. He supposedly rescued the club, fell out with Venables for whatever reason. And uh, it all turned a bit sour for him, I think. And uh, yeah. he, he wanted I out. think he fell out of love with it, Peter, do you think? Yeah, I mean, still, I think he's still a Spurs fan, but I just think that the business side of it, like I said famously in an earlier podcast, he bought the club without bothering to tell his wife, you know. By the way, I've just bought Tottenham Hotspur, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I don't know if there was a strategy there at all. Well, towards the end, it just really maybe just get rid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just I just want to sort of throw this out there. We spent about ten, ten odd million, and in that transfer, in that season, the transfers, Arsenal spent twenty three million, Sunderland fifteen million more than us. You know, Liverpool forty nine million, Oof. Leeds thirty two, Chelsea twenty three, Newcastle twenty four, and Coventry spent eighteen million, and we're spending ten million. I mean, Matt, what does that say to you? Uh, It says that we're going to finish 10th. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. And then you finish below West Ham. So, I said, you get what you pay for. And by definition, any season that you finish below West Ham is a bad season. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think regularly, this sort of team, we had Walker in goal, who was steady. We had the defence of Stephen Carr, Sol Campbell, Chris Perry and Maurizio Tarico. Matt, as a powerhouse defender... What were the strengths and weaknesses of Stephen Carr and Chris Perry? Well, uh, if we start with sort of Chris Perry, he would probably be an absolute nightmare to play against because he would not leave you alone. He was, because I think he was nicknamed the Rash, wasn't he? 
It was, yeah. He gave his all, and he was fit as a fiddle. So I actually really liked him as a player. Stephen Carr was superb, because I, I remember Man United were, were very close to signing him at one point, and um, I think it was after he scored against Man United when we, we beat them 3-1, and he hit this absolute thunderous sort of 30-yard shot into the top corner. And I remember Ferguson was very, very close to signing him, or really wanted to sign him. He was a great player. I really, really admired Carr. I loved him. I just mentioned Sol Campbell and Stephen Carr. I mean, they were playing in this turgid era. And who can blame them? You know, we talked about Sol Campbell leaving a lot in this podcast, but you can't blame Stephen Carr for leaving, can you, Peter? No, I mean, what you're looking at, you're looking at your career and relatively what is a short career and what sort of medals you're going to be able to show your grandchildren. And, you know... I think both he and Saul Khan was looking at the players coming in, the players going out, looking ahead really, what are the prospects? Really the prospects didn't look too bright. Anthony Gardner was actually quite highly regarded I think at the time, like somebody that they could take in and mould to become a really, a level of defender like alongside sort of like Ledley King kind of, I think he was almost like talked about in the same sort of level of Ledley King at the time, just didn't yep. really reach those heights. But no, I think definitely uh, dealing in the bargain basement, I think. With well, the Chris, Chris Perry never got an England cap, and I think that just says it all. It's, it's players who play for West Ham, for West Brom, for whatever team in the bottom half of the mid-tier or the Premier League, and that was our regular centre-half. Yeah, I agree. And Tariko, you know, we've talked about Tariko a lot, being a right-footed left-back, which causes problems. Because I think, again, in that season, Peter, we had Tariko on the left-hand side, and Leonardson on the left-hand side, they're both right-footed players. So, yeah. Peter, again, the balance was all wrong, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a, lop- it's a lopsided kind of situation. Am I right in saying that Ginola is left-footed? Both, I think. But he would get the ball on the left and tend to cut inside anyway and hit it with his right. But he could deliver with his left anyway. But, yeah, I think it's definitely a problem of balance there, for sure. In centre midfield, we had Sherwood, who was a decent player, Alan Nielsen, Stefan Freund, Anderson played central midfield, and the emerging Stephen Clements. So, you know, I really like Stephen Clements. Matt, did you, do you remember much about Stephen Clements? He's a lovely left footy footballer. Yeah, he was, he was one of his players. You, 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 sort, you sort of expect him to kick on a bit, but he never did. He didn't. Yeah, right. You know, he would just, I don't know, for whatever reason. And I think there's, we had a lot of those type of players, like, like Tim Sherwood and William Corston. Do you remember? Yes, yeah him as well yeah and I remember watching him play and he was superb and you're thinking oh we've got a real player there and then I think through injuries and just form nothing happened did it and I think I think Clements is in that sort of category as well that's a great boy by Causton but also in the midfield Peter you know completing the midfield that season was Ginola I mean Peter did you get the feeling that season because this I typically did but I always felt it's like oh just give it to Ginola and see what happens it was just too much weighted on his shoulders did you feel that Peter yeah, I mean, I think that he was a consistent player, but I think there was kind of a begrudging kind of respect there. Players like him are like a, a mavericks, and he could just change a game and he could light up a stadium. But yeah. those kind of guys have to be cherished. I don't think he was particularly cherished by George Graham. No, I totally agree, totally agree. And Sim, we had two strikers in Everson and Armstrong who were you know, decent strikers. I mean, how did you sort of feel... Their goal return that season was quite decent, wasn't it, Sim? If you give some stats. We've got 17 goals from Everson and 14 from Armstrong. So, you know, for your two strikers, that's not a bad return. Sherwood also got 10 from midfield and Leonardson and Ginola both got five and six respectively. So that's that's not a bad goal return from the side. There was talk that 
George Graham did want another striker and he did manage to get Rebrov in in the summer for quite a bit. He scored 18 in 20 for Dynamo Kiev or someone in, in your, I think it was Dynamo Kiev. It didn't quite work out with him like we discussed in the podcast the other day, really. I actually think Eveson was a really, really good player for us, really, Andre, because in that season where you said, I think you said he scored a 17 goals sin, mm. he also got eight assists that season, which is yeah, decent from a, from a striker. Matt, do you remember him? I actually thought he was a really decent player for us, a regular scorer, and possibly in a better team. He could have been real like decent, couldn't he? He was a great player. I really like. yeah. I mean, we also had um, Les Ferdinand as well. He was in the squad, didn't play much though. Oh, yeah. No. Was he injured or...? He only played nine times in that season, so he must have had the injury problems because he did. Oh. He did appear more in the coming ones, didn't he? We completely demolished Man United in that game where Matt, you know, mentioned the thirty-yard screamer from Stephen Carr. Uh, I was at that game and we demolished the eventual. Well, they were the, they're the team that won the treble, so yeah, they had right. Keane, Giggs, Scholes, and Beckham in that midfield. With uh, yeah, they were decent. They were Cole and Dwight York up front. That midfield against compared to the midfield that we had, you know. Did we feel that Janola was like a Spurs player of the classic mould? You know, with their hoddles and waddles and Greaves. Yeah. You know, a real superstar, wasn't he, for us? Do you, yeah. do you, Peter, would you sort of say he was a Spurs legend? I'd say so, yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those guys that, you know, you're getting off your seat when he gets the ball because you're thinking something's going to happen. you got to go back to people like Gascoigne for that sort of thing. You know, I've grown up with people like that who can do who can do that sort of thing. Hoddle's another one. Yeah, he's one of those. I call him, I called earlier, I said, he's a maverick. And the, yeah. the, the maverick genius is you don't know what they're going to do, but you know they're going to do something. And, you know, anything, yeah. anything can happen. And uh, they could change a game in like a blink of an eye. Also in the squad that season, we had a young Peter Crouch who didn't play, actually went on loan to Dulwich Hamlet. And also we had Ledley King, who played two games. We had Raul Fox, Ramon Vega, Jose Dominguez, and as Matt said earlier, William Causton, who played a little bit. So, you know, n- none of those players are sort of really excited me when I think about, you know, in that same season, Arsenal signed Davos Suka and Thierry Henry. Mm. Yeah. So if we sort of go on to the results in the Premier League, how did we start, Sim? We actually started quite well. We won three out of our first four games in that season. We actually lost the first game of the season. We lost to West Ham. But we went on to beat Newcastle and Everton at home and Sheffield Wednesday away. By the end of November, because we'd had a good run, we'd won four out of five in sort of October, November time. That included that win against Man United that we mentioned before and the, and a win against Arsenal as well in a really, I mean, it's a really heated game. I'd quite like to ask you guys about that game. But after beating Southampton away, we were actually sixth in the league, two points off fourth. And... Um, only seven off top. I don't, I'm not saying we could have won the league at any point. But it was just after that that we just went on a really terrible run after the Southampton game. And that seemed to just um, like just plummet the season into the mid-table finish it was. We won two out of 11 after that. But the Arsenal game, does anyone remember that? It was a really heated game that we won 2-1. I just felt they were so much better than us. We were quite a physical team and defensive team under George Graham, weren't we? Yeah. And I do remember it being a very aggressive game, which I don't mind. Who scored? You know. Everson and Sherwood scored. Yeah. Uh, Sherwood scored a free kick, I think, Sim, am I right? He did, yeah, yeah, a really good free kick, actually. And, and there was, a, was that in the same period, was it a away game at Stamford Bridge where George Weir stepped off a plane and yeah, scored that was this the season, winning yeah. goal? Yeah, that was this I, season. I was at Stamford Bridge in the home section Oof. with a very Jewish-looking mate. 
and we were called out <laughs> as the enemy. It was a really nervy, oh, very unpleasant, nervy experience. As you say, Sid, by the turn of the year, we weren't doing too bad. And then suddenly, you know, the Chelsea game and January and February won one out of the five games, including losing Chelsea at home again. You know, we just never got going, did we? You know, well, we won three games on the trot at the start of the season, Sid, but we, we never won three games on the trot after that. Yeah, and I think that just kind of sums up the George Graham... George Graham's record really it was a very wind draw I mean, it will it will stand out more in the next podcast and in tomorrow's one but it was a very seemed like a very wind draw loss sort of sequence to his entire reign and maybe that's just the players he was dealing with and the thing that will always get thrown at George Graham apart from the Arsenal thing from Spurs fans that I've heard is yeah. the style of football and there was a really poor period in the middle of the season the January February period where he only scored four goals in seven games and that was just that just must have been very very difficult to watch really we did hammer Southampton at 7-2 which was incredible Everson got a hat-trick and Armstrong scored but I mean we just beaten teams like that you know a club of our size we should be doing much better than 10th shouldn't we really a poor time to be a Spurs fan wasn't it yeah I agree and you know if we sort of move on because this, this season is Possibly, I sort of look back at this and think this this is one of the worst. This was a real, real low point. We sort of rallied towards the end of the season where you know we lost one of our last five. But was there an argument that Graham could have been sacked at the end of this season? It was like up and down, really. I mean, there was really bizarre results like that 7-2. Bizarrely, I was at Sellers Park for some reason for a Palace game. I don't know why, <laughs> but I was listening to it on the radio and there was these crazy score flashes coming in. And you get games like that, and then we go and lose the next game. So, yeah, it's just the same old inconsistency. Really. Yeah, he could have gone at the end of that season, really. But yeah, yeah. I think it's the it's the boardroom situation, though, because Alan Sugar's not going to pay off a manager if he's thinking they're selling the club, is he? And then, you know, right. they, Enoch came straight in and they and they kicked him out, didn't they? So I mean, you mentioned yeah, the diabolical record against Middlesbrough, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Middlesbrough consistently outspending us at that particular time during that period. Mm. Yeah, they really were, Peter, you're right there. The UEFA Cup, I remember we beat some team, I can't remember their name. Then we had Kaiserslautern in the next round. And I remember we played them at home and we beat them 1-0. Then we were going through, this This is very Spurs, I don't know if you remember the game, 90 minutes away in Kaiserslautern, 1-0 up. And then we conceded two injury time goals and went out 2-1. Do you remember that, Peter? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to actually defer to my mate Nick, who's a season ticket holder. I think we should have his input on this. What can I say about the trip to Kaiserslautern in 1999? I remember getting up very early and going to Luton Airport where I parked. I went with official Spurs travel. That flight put us into Saarbrücken, which wouldn't be that far from Kaiserslautern. A coach transfer was then arranged to drop us off in the centre of Kaiserslautern at what was still probably only 10 in the morning local time. That meant I had a whole day to kill along with thousands of other Spurs fans. This inevitably meant spending many hours in the local bars, walking past their red light district. And I also remember because it was a very cold day, I had to go into a local branch of CNA to buy a thermal vest. As the time for kickoff approached, the excitement built and the Spurs fans gradually made their way to the edge of town, which wasn't very far, to where the stadium is. I think I managed to get into the ground uneventfully, 
And it was only then that we got the line-up and, to our horror, George Graham, characteristically, had left out David Ginola, but it was on the subs bench. That set the tone for what followed. It was a long rear-guard action as we were defending a narrow 1-0 lead from the first leg. I don't think Kaiserslautern were particularly brilliant, but we didn't seem to offer much in attack. In fact, thinking about it, the performance is a bit like some of the current Spurs performances under Mourinho. Anyway, I remember we nearly got away with it and the minutes were counting down very, very slowly. And then I think pretty much on 90 minutes, Jorkioff got amongst it and helped create not just one, but two goals, all scored in injury time. Then was subject to the normal thing that away fans get in Europe, which was being held in for ages. But eventually, we ended back up at the airport, which I think was a military base, and we were being corralled by gun-toting riot police until two in the morning, full stop. Finally got back to Luton in the middle of the night, hugely disappointed, full stop. The other thing I remember about Kaiserslautern is that their badge looked a bit like the word... And that's kind of how I felt at the end of it all. Ginola was on the bench for that game. You know, we only needed to score one goal and we were pretty much through. I mean, that was typical George Graham, wasn't it? The first leg we won 1-0. It was a really dull game. And George Graham described it as a nice, patient game. Oh, I mean, Jesus. I yeah. think that sums it up. And then if we can move on, Sim, to um, the FA Cup, if you can sort of give us uh, what happened in the FA Cup for us. Pretty shocking state of affairs in that December third round that happened for some reason they didn't really justify it properly the FA for why that happened but anyway it was a bit of a mess but yeah we drew 1-1 at home to Newcastle in the first game the game that obviously I went to a replay and then we got beat 6-1 at, at St James's mm. Park which is just awful yeah mm. I mean I, I remember that game because I remember and looking back at it I was furious at the time absolutely furious because the FA Cup we thought oh at least we might get a run in it you know I went to football a lot then and I remember Newcastle in the replay were rabid, injury ravaged in defence. They had about four people available. I mean, Bobby Robson was going to play. <laughs> it was that bad. <laughs> I, I was just, I was just. We conceded after about a couple of minutes. You know what? Well, looking back, what was in Campbell's and Stephen Carr's mind? You know, these constant capitulations. You can hardly blame him, can you? When you have something like this again, and also the UEFA Cup. It's a case of the club's ambition not matching the players. That's a case of that, really. Totally agree. And if we can move on to the, the Worthington Cup, or cruelly named the Worthless Cup, I remember being absolutely furious again. We played Fulham away, and we went 1-0 down, and Everson equalised. But then they went straight at the other end, and Barry Howe scored. You know, were we, are we just mentally weak? But I just I just don't get it. And I remember being like our back four being bullied by Howes and Jeff Horsfield, and being so angry. Do you remember Jeff Horsfield, man? Yes, I do. Yes. Hey, Matt, is is is, uh, is Barry Hale is your your recurring nightmare? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We, we we also have a habit of making these players look superb, don't we? <laughs> yeah. It was pretty pretty rancid season. I think pretty much we don't need to dwell on this season anymore. <laughs> I think can we? all go around the table and sum it up in just one word. Matthew, can you sum up this season, 99-0-0 season? Moribund. Bit of intelligence there, I'm loving that. Sim, can you sum it up? 
I've got the second word. I can't actually think of what the first word. Like the sugar rain is something down. Petering out. Petering out is is a better one. Yeah, it just seemed to me like everything had got, was going a bit toxic with the manager and the chairman wanted out and people didn't like him. Peter, where would you sum up the season in a couple of words? Indifferent. I remember being very angry that season and. I think I just met my wife and I sort of, you know, I still went to a few games, but I just had enough of it. I sort of, I just, I was so oh, angry, angry, angry. That's, mm-hmm. that's all I was that season. And I hated Graham and just wanted things to change. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me again. Brilliant. And hopefully you'll join us tomorrow. And Sim and Peter, thanks for your input. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Ed. See you all tomorrow, gang. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.